He's a successful entrepreneur, an early investor in crypto projects, an early adopter of Bitcoin, and the host of one of the crypto world's largest weekly Twitter spaces, The Roundtable. His name is Mario Knopfel, and he's got an absolutely brilliant accent. Mario joins us today to discuss the future of Web3, Bitcoin, NFTs, and so much more. We're awful, he's Knopfel, and this is episode number 625 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two, ignition. Who's bad? Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, where today we're going to welcome Mario. Uh, actually, Joe, I don't know if you knew this or not, but we changed the name just for this episode. It's the awful the, crypto podcast. The awful crypto podcast. Well, that's our guest today is Mario Nawful, but we're the awful crypto podcast because we wanted to move up from BA to AW. It moved us up in the alphabet just a little bit, a little scooch. Just a scooch. Just a scooch. Just a scooch. Rather, uh, Mario is an interesting character, and he has really worked it. He and his team have worked really hard to create this weekly Twitter space that I think they had over 30,000 people come through uh, yesterday's space. They do them every Thursday uh, I want to say around two o'clock uh, Eastern time or so. The one the previous week went on for six hours and they break it down by hour and topics. They invite people, uh, leaders in the show, in the world to come on and talk about, um, you know, different topics. You and I have been invited to come on and talk NFTs multiple times. But I, I got first. I was on the first three episodes. Yeah, I got to say the um, yesterday's featured a one hour or so debate between Tone Vase, who is not to be confused with Tone Loke, even though he does have some funky cold Bitcoiner. Uh, he is a Bitcoin maximalist and Richard Hart of Hex. Ah, it was heated. We had both of them on the show, actually. So that's yeah. nice. It was a- yeah, it was yeah. heated, man. It was it was something else. And, you know, look, I, I am not smart enough to to know you know who's right i'm just not i listen to these guys they both make good points but man richard's approach is just so condescending like i think he could win more people over if he would ditch the 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 look at me vibe and i'm the best vibe because no it 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 doesn't it's not effective i mean it's only effective to to he he enjoys it i don't think he cares he's got he's got a f ton of money yeah, but who? And, uh, so what? Yeah. So, so what? He, that's what I think. He's like, so what? I don't care if people like me. Yeah, but I mean, it, but it, then he does care if people like him. That's the whole thing. When we interviewed him, like, he really cares what people think. But it's, just, it's not impressive. Approach. It's it's none of it. None of the style is oppressive. When he when he brings the substance and he brings his knowledge, not to be confused with Mario Nawful. Uh, when he brings his his knowledge, whether right or wrong, at least he comes off like, um, you know, listen to me. But when he gets yeah. talking about, you know, his Lambo or his new Rolex or it's like, who cares? Right. I just I, I first of all, if you or I wanted to buy whatever, we could buy whatever. 
Uh, I don't want whatever because I'm not flashy. But if I was, I wouldn't go about bragging around bragging about it. And he several times on this, he like demeans and talks down to people and just focuses on money. And, and it's just it's bizarre. To me. <clears throat> yeah, it's a little bizarre. You know, who's not bizarre is, is our is our next guest. He's pretty Lu- awesome. Luigi. He may, he, may, he may be he may be awful, but he's actually awesome. He is pretty awesome. Here's Mario Nawful. On our journeys along this blockchain highway, not to be confused with the information superhighway, though the blockchain highway does run its rails on the information superhighway, a subset of it, if you will, perhaps a thoroughfare. Anyway, I digress. We run across interesting people doing interesting things, and one of them is here with us today with quite a story to tell and making quite a bit of noise, especially in the uh, the crypto Twitter spaces space. His name is Mario Knopfel, and he's here with us now. Mario, welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast. What's up, man? How are you, Joel? How are you, Travis? We are well, uh, good, sir. And uh, I want to I want to get to what you're doing in the spaces arena because you are gathering together some massive audiences for very lengthy spaces. But why don't you go ahead and give everybody here in the Republic of Bad Cryptopia a little background on who you are and some of the things you've done. Man, I like that you said it's lengthy. We had the last space went on for six hours, Joel, which is insane. Yes, I got into crypto in 2017 with IBC Group. That's how most people know me, which is now started off as a consulting firm, became a marketing agency, and now is more of an incubator. And then co-founded NFT Tech last year. I know over a year ago now. So so the year before, which is now a public company in Europe and Canada. Um, We've got the NFT ticker. And then I've got the roundtable, which I started pre-Twitter back in Clubhouse days. So it used to be the biggest room on Clubhouse outside of crypto. And then I relaunched it on Twitter. And now we get tens of thousands of live listeners, by far the biggest space. And we got a lot of debates and and, um, a lot of heated discussions about interesting topics. So we do it once a week right now on Twitter. Were you, were you there for, for yesterday? Not yesterday, last week's one, Joel. Do you see the heated one last week? I did not get to make it. I was tied up with some other things. I meant to keep slipping in and then something else arose. You know how it is. Uh, but I do intend that, to. That was insane. Like It was so awkward at the beginning. I literally didn't. Now I've hosted rooms. I've spoken to tens of thousands of people. In the first few minutes, I just froze because I started, you know, as soon as it started, we had someone that's very outspoken come on from the Bitcoin maximalism side. Uh, it was a Bitcoin maximalist. And then immediately started, you know, attacking different people. We had people jump off. People couldn't debate him. It was, it started off as a shit show and then became an incredible show that lasted six hours. Probably our best show yet. Wasn't shitty at all. No, it was really good. But the first few minutes were, 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 were pretty heated. So right when you started the show, the Bitcoin maximalist was going off, huh? Yeah, so, so I started the show and there was going to be a segment about Bitcoin maximalism because a lot of people in the NFT community don't know, you know, the Bitcoin OGs from pre-2018, let's say, yeah, you know, yeah. Bitcoin, Jesus and all these guys. And then all, all the rivalries back then. Um, so I wanted to bring them onto this show and get their perspective on, on NFTs. And I added one, one jumped on early and we brought him on stage early, probably the most outspoken one and immediately started shitting on everyone in the NFT community and, and very tech, with very technical arguments. And then people started jumping off the stage because they, they're like, Mario, we don't know the technical aspects. We're not ready to debate him. 
another person got offended, but then we eased it off and, and, it, and it went mm. extremely smoothly afterwards. Was it, but was uh, it Jimmy Song? No, 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 Jimmy Song wasn't on. Uh, uh, we, he, he, we're talking to him about bringing him on. We did yeah. bring his... Um, he shit all over us during one episode, which was really nice. Holy shit, I want to bring him on because I, I like... Great, he's a great dude, but he's got... He's very technically sound, so he's he's dropping knowledge and you're going, okay, well, I can see your, your point of view about digital ownership is going to be huge and NFTs are that. Yeah, but you don't even need it because... Da, da, da. Like, he'll go off. So some of those Bitcoin maxis, they... They are their own sort of vibe, aren't they? Yeah, and, and the guy we brought is a sidekick, uh, not sidekick, like that, not sidekick at all. His partner, they used to do a podcast together. Um, I can't, I can't believe I forgot his name. I remember it, but he was not the one. The one we brought, um, I won't even say his name, just because he's got a lot. Of, oh, Tone Vase is the the other one that we brought later on. But Tone Vase really good. There were still heated arguments between Tone Vase and the NFT community, and Tone actually made a lot of good points. But the conclusion, surprisingly, I was surprised. The conclusion was everyone was on the same page. The conclusion was they're Bitcoin maximalists. So in their mind, NFTs make sense. They think PFPs are overpriced. That's very subjective. It's very hard to tell, very hard to price things. The market prices things. So they think PFPs are overpriced, but the concept of digital ownership makes a lot of sense to them. They just think the reason they don't like current NFTs is because they're not on the Bitcoin blockchain. They're on the Ethereum and Solana and other blockchains, the Flow blockchain and stuff. Oh, so Crimea River. Yeah. So so so, but they see the value of the technology. Um, and then in in the end, um, uh, Tone agreed. And again, Jimmy Song and Tone Vase. I used to listen to them years ago. Tone agreed that if Ethereum Ethereum could be heading in the right path, especially with Vitalik leading it the right way. So even though he's not investing in Ethereum. He doesn't think it will succeed. He also thinks there's a very high possibility it will succeed, uh, which is really surprising to hear. Um, and um, and he said how he thinks it could succeed and the current path. I think he would, from memory he was optimistic on the current path they're taking um, with with ETH 2.0. Fascinating. So you mentioned that you started out. You were doing some. Um, I recall uh, on Clubhouse you had some really large Clubhouse. Uh, uh, meetings over there that just went on and on and on. How long were you on Clubhouse and do you still do uh, your meetups over there on Clubhouse at all or is Clubhouse kind of dying? Uh, it's dead. So I, I stopped Clubhouse completely. It was a very high profile argument I had with the founders. The press was over it. Uh, 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 but I was there only for a month. Um, but in that month, we, we used to have 10,000 people listening to us a day. Um, I used to, but I used to do really long rooms every day. So what I do every week now on Twitter Spaces, no joke, I would do more than that every day uh, for a month. So I actually paused working on all my companies, which is luckily wasn't a bad thing. It wasn't a problem because I had a, I wasn't, you know, I, I pre hand off anyway. The team ran it, so I was just purely on Clubhouse. I would wake up and sleep on Clubhouse for a month to really squeeze that lemon, um, and it yielded incredible results in that month. Um, about a third of podcasts I jump on, they would remember me from Clubhouse. And now we're doing the same thing with Twitter and, and LinkedIn Live. Awesome. Well, uh, do me a favor, Mario. Go ahead and pull your input back a little bit just because your mic's distorting just a titch. And while you're doing that, I'll, uh, I'll ask this question of you. Uh, you are um, an investor in uh, metaverse and nft projects so obviously you've got a view of web3 that's very forward looking I, I would like for you to go ahead and look forward into the future here and tell us what you see 
um, you know, happening? How prolific will the the NFT uh, revolution be for brands and businesses and entrepreneurs? Uh, you know, whether they are um, online or doing, uh, you know, brick and mortar businesses. Where's this all going? So we are all Mark Zuckerberg's slaves. Facebook will own everything and we are just going to be doing whatever. You, and I'm just kidding. Um, I'm actually pretty, pretty optimistic. First, is my mic okay? Yes, you're good. Yeah, so I'm pretty optimistic. So I think, but I'm also very, uh, like, I know that people, the human brain, and I've said this a lot, a lot, a lot, the human brain overestimates the short-term impact of innovation, but underestimates the long-term potential. and when I used to talk about this, it made a lot of sense a few months ago when there was a lot of hype because I'm like, guys, there's way too much hype around the metaverse now. It will change many aspects of our lives, things we, we, we struggle to even imagine, but it will take extremely long. Or at least that was my assumption. Even though I'm always proven wrong, crypto moves so freaking fast. Um, but now it's going to, you know, we kind of brought back to reality. A, a lot of people are still licking their wounds and valuations fell off uh, fell off the 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 earth or the top of the earth whatever whatever the saying is so i still make the same argument though but now i'm like more focusing on the long-term potential rather than the short-term hype because the short-term hype has died down so i think but in the short term there's gonna be a place for for uh, closed metaverses or partially open metaverses but it's important to realize that and i made a tweet about this today technologically it's impossible for the metaverse to be closed to be controlled by one entity the same way the internet isn't controlled by one entity the internet is an open protocol everyone could use the metaverse will be the same because the open metaverse is being built on the blockchain but the question is how decentralized will it be the internet is not really that central that decentralized web 2.0 we got the the big guys google amazon facebook instagram etc controlling it and i think we'll go down a similar path for the metaverse I think those big guys will do a great job at, at delivering a great experience for users and they'll get the most users. But long-term, I'm more optimistic on the technology leading to a more open web. Um, but I could be completely wrong and we could just have web 3.0 replicate what happened with web 2.0 and, and then more companies making even more money. But I will say this, like the protocols that end up being the main protocols for the open metaverse the amount of wealth that will migrate to, to, to those protocols is going to be, it's going to exceed most optimistic expectations because you've got so much wealth that will be moving to that virtual world um, and so many aspects of our lives moving to that world. So, you know, it's, it is interesting where we are right now in the Web3 world because it seems like a lot of the Web3 world, it touts how, oh, we're so decentralized, we're so decentralized, you own it, you own it, but venture capital seems to be the one infusing most of the money into web three at this time. And so maybe what is your, what is your sort of forecast on how do you think this is going to evolve over the next three to five years with VCs pouring so much money in, does it end up going to be web 2.0, 2.0? But <laughs> like we're having right now, we're going through the same. Do you guys remember in 08 when the GFC hit the global financial crisis? Mm-hmm. Do you remember how there was these big guys that just kept falling like dominoes and we were all just prey to whatever happened with them if they were bailed out or not? But I think the, the Web3 world, we talk about decentralization and a more open economy, yet we're going through the exact same scenario, except the people bailing those institutions out 
are not governments. But we've had those big players in Web3. Now, again, these are centralized players. They're Web2 players. But they have so much wealth. They control so many, so much Bitcoin or so much ETH that what happens to them determines everything in the ecosystem. I remember we, we had a one of our spaces about two, three weeks ago was meant to all be about NFTs and the metaverse. And then conclusion was everyone was too worried about Celsius. What's going to happen with Celsius? The majority of it, we had an, someone that's you know leading the bailout of Celsius. The majority of the space was talking about Celsius, what's going to happen to them and how that will impact the market. Well, here we are talking about an open metaverse and, and the NFT economy, democratizing the world, decentralization, decentralizing um, the internet. Yet we're all sitting there talking about a central entity and how that will impact the entire ecosystem, including, you know, a DeFi platform that could be liquidated is, could determine what, what the outcome of multiple play-to-earn games that have nothing to do with, with um, no direct correlation with DeFi. So, um, yeah, I think we're, we're away, away from, from decentralization. Um, and then that utopian world that we all hope for um, is either not going to be reached because, you know, we're, everything's still run by humans. The code is still written by humans, etc. Either it's not going to be reached, or well, what I believe will take a lot longer to reach, um, but you know, could very likely we could very likely get there. So, what are some of the exciting things that you're seeing? You know, what's really got you engaged right now? Play to earn. Like I was very anti-play, not anti, but I was not bullish at all on play to earn games, which is you know I think most most audience members would know what that is. Um, just because of the valuations and that, again, it was just too early. The way they were structured was too pyramid schemish, because the only way you could make money in a play-to-earn game, uh, the only reason you'd go in the game is to make money. The only way you can make money is by new players coming in, because everyone wanted to make money, and that's how pyramid schemes um, are built, uh, which was a problem that even play-to-earn games understood. And, you know, I think I think Axie or or uh, an entity that was doing it. A, a, a study on Axie, uh, did a whole paper on this. Um, and that's why you see all these games. We've had Axie, you know, Jiho from Axie come on our show a couple of times. I think he's coming tomorrow um, or after tomorrow, Thursday. And um, what Axie is focusing on now is the, 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 the experience itself, people coming in to play. Instead of just to make money, they play to socialize or to signal a certain identity or um, because they enjoy the game. So we're kind of seeing aspects of gaming, which is enjoyment, and aspects of our everyday life, which is socializing, signaling, meeting people, building relationships, et cetera, get built into those games from the early stages. Now, with this happening, I'm pretty bullish on those. I'm pretty bullish on in-game NFTs, um, and we've, we're invested heavily in those. And um, uh, decentralized games, I think if their tokenomics make sense, um, Probably, I think that those could be the next um, uh, exciting frontier for us. I think we've had the PFP era come on. Uh, play to earn is the next one, in my opinion, even though we've had a phase. I think in-game NFTs haven't had much uh, attention. Tokens, they have. In-game NFTs, not as much, at least for, some, for most games. Actually being one of the few ones that did get that attention. I'm also very bullish on social tokens. Not many people are talking about them. We saw BitCloud, which is now uh, rebranded to DSO, Decentralized Social, did an experiment on this, did extremely on the early days, then, then, then dropped by 90, whatever percent. Um, so social tokens, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on. And then um, what was the last thing I was, I was talking about a lot? So I think 
in-game NFTs, social token. And the concept, and this is going to be interesting for the audience, the concept of NFT flipping, many people have, you know, said that similar to how ICO flipping died in 2017, it didn't really die. It just evolved into a set of ICOs, which for anyone that wasn't there in 2017, the massive bull run there and all the money flew into, um, you know, flooded into ICOs, initial coin offerings, which are projects launching a token. Um, but that just evolved into what we have now is IEOs and IDOs, which is a token launched immediately launched on a DEX, a, a, a decentralized exchange or a centralized exchange. So I think we'll have a similar evolution of NFTs from PFPs, profile picks, to any asset. Because if you think of what NFTs are, NFTs are simply digital assets. So anything could be turned, you know, you got sneakers. Sneakers could be turned into into an NFT and people could start flipping sneakers and money flows into that. We saw ENS domains blow up over the last couple of weeks. I'm very bullish on, on ENS domains, uh, .eth domains, for anyone that doesn't know. So we're going to see more and more anything that is flipped in the physical world or that was flipped in the physical world of, over the past few decades, uh, the same thing could migrate to the digital world. And I think we'll see different phases of NFT flipping. It just won't continue to be um, profile picks. Yeah, it seems to me that the era of the uh, the JPEG cartoon is uh, is slowly being phased out, and more projects are popping out with a lot more utility. And utility is what's going to get people excited long term on these things because they do stuff, they unlock things, they create new experiences for you, or they evolve over time. So maybe what are some of the projects or some of the things that you're looking at? You know, as NFTs are evolving and this digital ownership are evolving. What are some of those things that are most exciting uh, to you, or maybe some of the things that seem like they're the most, they're more innovative than uh, the, the previous era of PFPs? Yeah, so I got a list that our team did. I try not to shill projects. I won't even mention projects we're invested in. I try to be very, very cautious of what projects I mention. But I'll give a list of, of top-tier um, games that were um, uh, mentioned by the team that we're looking at. And those games are already got a lot of VC funding. As I said, in-game assets are probably one of the most exciting things for me. So I'm going to give an, a, a list of names for um, for listeners to check them out and then do your own research. I'm not recommending anything. We're not even invested in, in some of them, um, but we could be investing in, in almost all of them. But you got Big Time, which is a big game. That's, they've got a, a very long timeline, but if they pull it off, it could be extremely valuable. They raise a lot of money. You've got Alluvium, Mirandis. You guys have talked about those. Echoes of Empire, Axie Infinity, of course, um, which I know Axie is very, you know, it's already got pretty high valuation. Um, but if they, if, if they're, um, um, you know, they, they, I think they're doing the right thing. They're really focusing on, I think they're launching a free-to-play game. I'm not sure if they announced it yet. And they're focusing on the game itself rather than the money-making ability of the game. So instead of play to earn, um, everyone's shifting to play and earn. So you can earn, but that's not the only reason you play. Um, and of course, you've got uh, others. You've got Star Atlas is another one, Guild of Galaxies, Cedus Heroes, um, Phantom Galaxies, and Metal Core. So that's a list that we have here internally. Um, I rarely share that list, but you know, you've explicitly asked me, asked me for projects. Now, another thing we're looking at, okay. So I can't disclose too much on this because my team will essentially will be very upset with me um, if I talk too much and they don't give me too much information because they know, I talk, right now, I've got a big mouth. But I'll, I'll try to be very uh, vague, but hopefully people get an indication of what our strategy is. I'll say this. You've got a lot of these NFT projects that launched. They've got a very solid community, very, very solid community, a great, um, you know, great art, um, 
in some cases, a great vision, or maybe they've got an, a game being built, but the community is the most important aspect. But the, the people that launched it either don't know how to run a business or they just had enough and they want to walk away. Um, I'm just going to say that there is, you know, what we do at IBC, and I'm sure, again, I'm being vague on purpose. What we do at IBC is we incubate projects. We build projects. I've been an entrepreneur well before crypto and built companies for, for almost 10 years now, or over 10 years now. So I think there's room for entrepreneurs with capital to collaborate with projects that um, actually you don't even need capital to collaborate or help projects that need that entrepreneurial help to build the business around it. Cause they've got the basics, which is the, the art and the community, which is really hard to achieve. And the community that cares, not a community that just wants to pump the price because that's a pump and dump group. So community that cares and then just collaborate with them. Um, there's a lot of potential there. So we have an NFT department at IBC. We work with a lot of top tier projects, but we are starting to look at either projects that are kind of, the team is not, not able to build it up or they've walked away and there's a community sitting there hanging. Um, but if anyone's, you know, understands what I'm trying to say and wants to collaborate on this, that's a really good reason to hit me up. Um, but that's something that we're um, really interested in. People have tried doing this before. They've tried to do it with tokens. They go to token projects that launched and that didn't do too well. But that's much harder because you got to sort out the whole tokenomics and token structure and the token mechanics, um, which is very, very technical, very difficult. Um, with NFTs, um, it's simpler. Until they launch a token, then it starts getting more complicated. I think what's really interesting about NFTs is that anybody can come along at any time and bring value to any collection, right? If there's a, a collection out there that has died, meaning there's no volume, but people own these NFTs, that community can come together and create a, a DAO around that collection and say, all right, here's what's going to happen with this now. And we, we've seen that happen. Uh, and sometimes it could be easier to do that to step in and um, and help take over an existing collection uh, and bring value than to uh, go to the trouble of building something new, right? It's kind of like a refurbishing process. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So Joel, I think you, you get my strategy. You, you understand what I'm trying to say in a, in a vague uh, cryptic way. Um, but yes, absolutely. And um, you know, th that's the whole purpose of DAOs to get people together to work together to a certain goal. Uh, now, it can be through a DAO, or it could be just through a centralized traditional manner where you come in right. and, and do what traditional companies do. Um, and you look at private equity there. Um, the the, yeah, the downside there, Mario, is uh, if you take over a collection, unless you get the contract, right, the keys to that account, then you're not getting the uh, the secondary market revenue on reviving that collection. However, you could easily pick a collection and say, hey, everybody in this collection is getting, um, you know, we're forking it to this new contract. And now I own, you know, we hold the keys to that contract where all the um, volume is going to take place. Yeah. So first, I want to say this is an experiment, whether it works or not, we'll see. From a technical aspect, there is a solution to this that the team found. Um, but it's definitely a, um, anyone that wants to do this needs to solve um, the issue that you mentioned. Um, but it's also important to distinguish between, and I want to say this again, a community versus a pump and dump group. A community actually cares about the art, actually cares about the project, the vision. And they're sitting there, hold their, 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 their NFTs, or in the case of projects with a token, the tokens. Um, 
because they want to use them when the project launches or they want to have the benefits, the utility of the NFT. Very hard to find such communities. Um, a community that all they care about and that, you know, have, have you, I'm sure you've been in those Telegram groups and probably Discord is the same, where they keep posting those GIFs of to the moon and rockets and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's it not gets a community. Old. It gets old. No, of course it's not. It's just people wanting to see their investment take off so they can cash out and leave. That's that pump, is not pump, a community. Pumping, that's a pump and dump group. They're, they're people that want to pump it, pump it, pump it with their gifs, which make which do the opposite, to be honest. And then when people get excited, they come in, they buy it, they're like, great, it's up. Now I'm gonna sell, and they disappear. Um, and we see that all the time. Um, also, another thing I've seen as well uh, that I want to mention, and I don't want to digress or talk too much, so I apologize. But I've seen something, and I made a tweet about this yesterday as well. Was that uh, the value of reputation? now matters a lot more because we've seen all these people that either rug pulled the project or just gave up on the project. Um, so I've been personally, for example, I've never launched. I was there in the ICO hype, didn't launch an ICO. I had many opportunities to do so. Um, didn't launch a DeFi project, didn't launch an NFT project. When it was like the easiest way to make money. And then what, and, and you guys understand what I'm saying here is the importance of reputation. I think, that the value of building reputation in the space like you guys are doing with the podcast and what you've done in the space, what I've done in the space, what I'm doing now with the show um, is now being appreciated once you see what happens when, when the bear market hits. Because suddenly everyone that was active, everyone that was promising the world suddenly disappeared. Reality kicks in. And then the people that are still here and they're still you know, consistently doing the right thing um, they tend to, to benefit in the next bull run. That's actually really important. Most of the people that were all the hype in 2017 and prior, most of them, not all of them, no longer exist. I remember a lot of these influencers, a lot of these thought leaders, no one listens to them anymore. Why? Because they, they screwed their followers or they just disappeared in 2018. Um, and then a very small number of them that actually kept consistently doing the right thing, they became the leaders in this cycle. And then we'll see this repeat. The people that will mess up in this cycle uh, will lose out on the next cycle, but the people that keep doing the right thing uh, will be able to build on top of their reputation um, over the next cycle. Yeah, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting space, and it is definitely an interesting model, and, and with Web3, repetition does matter. And, you know, a lot of projects, you know, pull back a little bit during this time because, like, wow, you don't really want to launch when the market sucks. But you do want to keep growing that. So let me ask you this, then you've seen a lot of different projects. What, you know, what are some of these the people doing that uh, are building the best communities? Like, how are you seeing the best communities being built? What drives great community growth? Yeah, it's, it's not too complicated. Um, I think first we'll see a lot of communities die out. So it's funny. You got all these communities that have big numbers in their discourse or telegram groups. And they were active. You know, you can look at the, the activity rate of a community and they've got some impressive numbers. But as soon as the price starts going down, suddenly all the messages disappear. Why? Because all of them were price-based. So you'd look at a community that's still active and that's talking. Uh, I like communities that defend. Okay, so this is something interesting. What we're targeting right now for the show on Twitter spaces, the way it works is you get people to speak. And when people speak, they have a big following. It pings their audience. Their audience can see it at the top. And they join. So that's how Twitter spaces and Clubhouse used to work that way. Um, and that's, you know, the incentive when you're hosting a show is to bring the biggest names. And, and the reason we got so big is we did get the biggest names. But what we found is some people have big follow account, but 
their community just didn't care about them and projects as well. And then we've got others that have a significantly smaller number of followers, but incredible engagement. So we're starting to focus on bringing those people to the space, whether it's a project or a person. And then that goes back to your question, Travis, is that when you look at a community, look for a community that cares about the founder, that cares about the, um, the project, and that cares if you're looking at an NFT, they care about the vision of the NFT. Board API Club is the most obvious example. Look how much excitement there was towards the other side. I saw in a lot of my whale groups, people talking about it and making jokes, how they got access and, and how they feel special about it. So these are the things that VCs, you know, I put myself in that, in that, in that bucket, VCs would, uh, would look for. Um, and it's such a small number of projects that fit that description. It's, 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 uh, it's concerningly small. I expected it to be small, but didn't expect it to be to to go to get to that level. People who uh, are actually interested in the space and driving it forward are still here. You know, five years ago, um, we started this show, and when you know, we watched as the people got listeners. And then um, as crypto gained in popularity and the bull market's hitting, the opportunists arrive and then the bear market hits and they, they scurry. They're like, well, I don't see money here anymore, so I'm going to go do something else. And, uh, you know, I won't name names, but Ty Lopez. So, oh, I guess, I <laughs> uh, you know, and, and that's in same thing in NFT, all the NFT influencers. Look, we've been creating in the space for five years. We've been minting NFTs. You know, we're in our third year of minting NFTs and we're not going anywhere. I don't care if the market is bullish or bearish. So if you want to know who to uh, pay attention to, if they're here today and gone tomorrow, when the opportunity is gone for the moment, those people are not to be trusted. That That is not financial advice. That is human advice. And do you remember, Joel, I don't know if you saw this, but so I'm around a lot of entrepreneurs and it's funny how, how entrepreneurs tend to jump from one hype thing to another. IBC, so the company that the first company I launched in crypto, we had a certain amount of competitors back in 2017. A lot of them were either shut down by the SEC or just completely disappeared. Do you remember a name ICO Box? Do you remember that one or no? You know, I, I do remember hearing that. Yeah. Where did they go? They were the biggest. They were the OGs of launching tokens. They had because they had the name ICO Box were very early and they've disappeared. Um, and what happens, they don't just disappear. They go to the next thing, as you said. And back then it was cannabis. Everybody was getting into cannabis. And then I don't know what was after that. And then hoverboards were the thing. And then what was then what happened is they got into um, a masks. So suddenly all these entrepreneurs were like suppliers of COVID masks when COVID hit. And all these crypto groups became, no joke, became mask brokering groups. So we'll see this happen again. I don't know how long this bear market will, will last. And, and you know we get a lot of smart minds debating it on our show and they don't agree what will happen next. I was looking at one of my groups today. One person saying it's going to go down to 4K. Another person saying we've hit the bottom. It, it's impossible to know. But if the bear market does take, you know, as long as it did back in 2018, you'll see a lot of those entrepreneurs shift to psychedelics or, or the next sexy thing. But they'll miss out. They miss out on building a community. So how I look at a bear market, and I was talking to my team about it earlier, is just grabbing assets. What you guys are doing, what we're doing with the show, is we're grabbing attention. Did you yeah, say you were going to grab asses? Because that's, that's, <laughs> that's not this kind of show, Mario. <laughs> not in 2022, dude. You're going to get canceled. That's an awful so, thing to do. So, okay. so, so grab 
assets with a, with a T. <laughs> so, so what you guys are doing is you're grabbing attention, uh, as in attention of your audience, to be to be clear. Um, and that's a very, very valuable asset. And look where you are today um, and, and the reputation that you've built. Another thing you could do, VCs are just collecting tokens. So personally, I'm grabbing attention with the roundtable. Our team, the NFT department of IBC, is just uh, collecting NFTs, especially blue chips, because they're the lowest risk. I think there's still a fair bit of downside risk for some projects. But we're looking at the blue chips. I have a really sexy story. Being the first is something that's generally sexy among us humans. I don't know why we like first of things. The first gun, the first wheel, the first car are all sitting in museums. Um, and then, so we're looking at NFT projects that have that. And then the second thing that I got really wrong is the power of community. Even though I've talked about it for years, um, I didn't value the importance of community until Board API Club proved me so wrong. And the value of community beat the value of being first, which is what CryptoPunk had. Um, and then the token side of IBC, which is the main one since 2017, we don't care. And I said this to my CFO, we really don't care if we break even. It could be even a goal. Liquidity-wise, we don't care if we break even. I'm not talking about any investment arm, just the business. Every month, as long as we're just collecting assets that will unlock you know, tokens. So the way tokens work, they're usually locked as a soft, uh, like any VC investment, and then they get unlocked over time. Um, yeah, so, so just um, collecting assets with a T um, in, form, in form of tokens. So that's how we're doing it, grabbing attention, grabbing assets with a T and, um, and preparing ourselves for the next cycle. What about you guys? You know, I know you guys are meant to ask me questions on the show and I ask you questions on my show, but I'm actually curious, like what's your, is it just, just another day or, or has your strategy shifted in any way? Cause I know you have a, a, a portfolio as well. Uh, well, I think that there's a little more cautiousness in terms of what I'm investing in, but you know, I, I'm also, I'm not a trader. I'm not like watch. Okay. I'm going to sell at this point and now I'm going to wait and, you know, get more at this point. It, it, that's too much stress for me. There's people that, you know, they make a lot of money doing that. Uh, but I think the, the hair loss, you know, for me, wouldn't be worth it. Lifestyle is way more important and not having to pay attention all the time and constantly seeing or now and now, because even once you sell, once you sell, now you've got to be looking for your entry point again. So I'm like willing to ride it. You know, I'm willing to let it go. If Bitcoin's going to go down to $6,000, fine, it's going to be back. And, and if for some reason they manage to destroy the crypto world, which I don't know how you do with Bitcoin because it's kind of unstoppable money, um, is it the end of life? No, life goes on. It's, it's just money. And too many people put too much priority on accumulating more. And I'm talking about once you have your needs met. You know, what, what's the difference, Mario, you know, besides accumulating a million dollars and 10 million? Well, you can buy a bigger house, you can buy a boat, a nicer car if you want, but does it really change your life? The curse of wanting more. It's, yeah. a, it's a tiring cycle. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a pure blood entrepreneur and I've had this. So when you come from, from a poor background, you tend to be it's not in some case, not everyone just driven so much more because you never want to go back to where you were. And then a few years ago, I realized the toxicity of always wanting more. And you see that in crypto. And that's what leads to a lot of people getting wrecked because like it's getting better. It's getting better. They want to keep playing the game until 
the game, the, the, the music stops and they can't admit like, hey, the music just stopped. Let me take a break. Let me, you know, I made 600K. I didn't make 6 million. I didn't make 10 million. Let me enjoy my 600K. Be happy. I, you know, started with nothing um, and, and go. But no, they wanted more. They got greedy. And we saw that even with the smartest, you know, for three arrows capital to declare bankruptcy, to be illiquid was mind boggling. Like I didn't mind Celsius. I didn't mind Voyager. I didn't mind all these different DeFi plays with their APYs that didn't make sense. You know, that, that was fine. That, that needed to happen. But three hours capital, like for us VCs and for anyone that doesn't understand, in the VC world, we had like on, on two hands, 10 fingers, is hundreds of VCs, 10 of them or less than 10 uh, would be top tier that we all trust, we all follow, we build relationships with. If they invest, we invest. And if we're incubating a project, we want them to invest. Thankfully, they didn't invest in the last project we incubated. They almost did. Otherwise, we'd be screwed. Um, Oh, it depends. If they did market making, we'd be screwed. But three arrows capital for them to mess up the way they did, just purely based on greed, um, and their intelligent founders, was like, um, you know, I know you guys are Star Wars fans from memory. Like, imagine Star Wars completely stopping the franchise, saying, "Guys, we're gonna be done." Uh, it's a big shock they for the. Actually, should have done that. After okay. the first, if, if they had example. done that after the first trilogy, we'd all be better off. Uh, I'll give you a better example. Board a Piat Club, no joke. If you're looking at Board a Piat Club or Doodles or, or, or CryptoPunks, just completely shutting down their project, saying, guys, we messed up. It's not going to work. We're liquidating everything and, and the, the, the punks or apes or whatever just collapse in value. The same, that same feeling that you'd get as an NFT collector. Uh, VCs got one three arrows capital did what they did. Um, and, um, you know, we should have seen the writing on the wall. It was there if you knew what was happening behind the scenes. Um, but yeah, greed makes the, you know, gets the best out of all of us. And, and a lot of NFT traders actually listen to this and you guys know this. What about you, so, Trev? Well, how, how has your strategy changed? Well, I think that when crypto, you know, when the crypto summer's going on and everything's flush and you're like, yeah, I'll put some investments into that. That looks good. Oh yeah. That's a, it just, it is, you're just a lot more cautious. You're just, you know, it's like, well, it's winter time. What do you do in the winter time? You sort of, you know, you winterfy, you know, your place, you make sure there's no cracks and you're, you know, all right, it's we got to stay warm through the winter. And so that's really what it is for me at this point, staying warm through the winter and why, you know, it's like, and I'm, and I'm working on a project and, you know, the, the, the market being down and the interest in some levels not being there, it's just kind of a challenge to, to try to launch a project at this particular time. So it's like trying to weather that storm as well and keep moving forward and keep innovating because really it's just what it is at this point. It's like keep building, keep innovating, putting pieces of the puzzle together. And I think that uh, when we get there, it'll, it'll, it'll be all good as we get through this because you know what all these crypto winners have always ended before right so we're probably another 12 16 months away from the uh the uh the summer or the spring thaw so as it were but you know what hell here we are right now and ethereum is up like almost 40 percent in the past week so it's like we have had a nice little retrace is that just one of those dead cat bounces hard to say but it's nice to see some green in the space and taking a look at it and going, oh, hey, this was an actually a positive week. I gained. And so I know a lot of people are probably looking at it like that. I know that from the last winter that we were in, Mario, listeners died off. Like nobody wants to talk about crypto when it's shitty. 
right? It's like, oh, I don't want to think about my portfolio. It's like, if I ignore it, maybe it will recover. <laughs> and, uh, and so, so what, what do you kind of experience it now? And what do you, what do you think, uh, you know, we're going to be looking at over here over the next three to five years as we get out of the crypto winter into the next bull run, into the next halving, metaverse starting to take off more so, NFTs becoming more prevalent. Like, where, where is your firm, you know, putting a lot of your focus in as we move forward? Yeah, so I, I want to ask you a question first, Travis. You mentioned a really interesting point. You said in 2018, your, your listeners dropped off. Um, so we're about the same time as like mid-2018 right now um, mm. in, in this bear market. How are, and this is a very important question, are you seeing the same drop as you did mid-2018 or is it better this, this time around? I think it's better just because there's more people that are, yeah. you know, following the space. That's true. Okay, so that's a very important point. And that, that's a very bullish indicator is that in 2018, um, we had everyone was saying that crypto's dead. Um, yeah. crypto well, no. think about it though, in 2018, really the only thing that you could do with your crypto for the most part was buy was buying the ICOs. Like, what are you gonna do with your Ethereum there? Right? Oh, you buying an ICOs pretty much like that's all you but now we have so many more functionalities and so many more products and, and ways to use our crypto that we did not have four years ago. That's a very good point. Utilities at a whole different level. Like back then, everyone was excited when Bitcoin, I don't know if you remember, Bitcoin can now be used as a form of payment in Japan. And everyone gets fucking excited that Bitcoin can be used to pay for things. Like that's cool as utility. But now you've got all these different aspects from DeFi to NFTs to the open metaverse to tokenizing everything, tokenizing your identity, tokenizing in-game assets. It's like the list goes on. And these are practical use cases. Axie did allow people in, in, in certain countries to make money outside their country and not having to use websites like Upwork. So that's a, a, something that what, what, did, what weren't even close to back in 2017. And then the press, if you look at the press, a lot of, I didn't know that until someone told me that some press is saying that crypto is dead. I didn't see that. But the arguments again, the same people that were saying crypto was dead in 2018 and blockchain is a fad and it's going to be centralized, partially centralized, are the people that are still active right now and investing right now. You know, JP Morgan, they're extremely active right now. They're extremely bullish on crypto. Back then, Jamie Dimon and JP, other JP Morgan executives were talking about how crypto is a fad and, and, and it's not exciting at all. So it's very dangerous to say it's this time is different. In some aspects, it isn't. Human nature is never different. Another time, you know, 2001.com bubble is different. And, and the, when it popped in 2001, it's very different to the correction that we're seeing right now in, in tech stocks. The valuations are different. The correction is different. The reasons are different. Um, and the same thing applies for crypto. The correction we're seeing right now is different in many aspects to what we saw in 2018. A lot of investors are not like, hey, this is a fad and we're going to move away and do the next thing. We're like, hey, it was overhyped. Now we're seeing a correction. Maybe now's a good time to enter. Or let's just hold off a bit longer, but deploy in the next few months or, or, or maybe next year. So the, the in big investors, the big money is approaching it differently. Users are approaching it differently. Like you said, your listeners are not dropping off. We launched our show, The Roundtable, The Crypto Roundtable, five weeks ago. So in the, in the peak of the bear market, um, near the bottom. So we, we were doing the show as, as Bitcoin and crypto was, was bottoming. Um, and uh, we're at week six now. So 
I don't think I could have done the roundtable, the crypto roundtable back in 2018 and get the amount of listeners we're getting now. No so, way. Uh, yeah. No way. Back then it was just dead. Like Joel, it was, there was no money flowing in. VCs were closing one after the other. I'm in a lot of mm-hmm. VC groups. Now VCs are waiting. They're sitting on a lot of cash. They've raised, and recent Horowitz raised the biggest crypto fund ever that closed a few, maybe a month or two ago. And there was another one recently. So the money is sitting there this time. Back then, the money just disappeared. Back then, there were crickets. Now, it's just people licking their wound and preparing for the next bull cycle. Now, it's like, when? Before was if. 2018 is like, will this recover? Now, is when will it recover? Well, and I think that also these VCs, they're kind of drooling on the sidelines because they're seeing the things that are being built. And there's the FOMO. They don't want to miss out on that thing that's going to kill it. Um, you know, I saw uh, a, a tweet that I saved uh, as a photo to my computer here recently to my phone because this guy made the point that during 2008 to 2010 during that recession here's the companies that were founded whatsapp venmo uber airbnb pinterest instagram slack square Uh, and he finished with big problems create big opportunities and so those big opportunities are revealing themselves right now and so depending upon which ones people seize upon, these are tomorrow's millionaires and billionaires. I'm going to make a tweet actually about this. Like in, uh, recession is when unicorns are founded or built. Recessions mm-hmm. is when unicorns unicorns are built. And bull markets and uh, bull markets. So bear markets is when unicorns are built. Bull markets is when fortunes are made. There you go. Uh, I'll take that. And on that note, Mario, um, thanks for, for coming on and joining us today. Where can people tune in to uh, what you're up to? Where would you like them to go? Yeah, so usually whenever a show or a podcast asks me that question, I just say, like, Google me and just follow me if you're interested. Uh, but because I never, you know, my other businesses, we don't have a retail audience. Um, but now because I have a show, there's actually a reason. I'm, for the first time, I can end it with like, hey, Come to my show, which is pretty cool. Pretty, I've never done this before. So yeah, I do run a show on Twitter. So if you look up my name, Mario Nofal, N-A-W-F-A-L, and just follow me, you'll see my pinned tweet is always the show you can register. So every Thursday, and it's it's uh, entertaining. Like next, tomorrow, and on Thursday is one. We're going to get the same person that caused the shit show last week, but we're going to be more prepared and getting people to debate it. And we're going to be debating, among other things, we're going to talk about NFTs, in-game assets, but we're going to debate Bitcoin. And he hates Bitcoin. Like he despises it. He used, he used to be a maximalist. Now he's like the biggest hater. And we're going to get him to debate with a Bitcoin maximalist. So that was one of the one of the sexy segments. And we're going to talk awesome. about NFTs. Well, uh, we'll try to be there as well to, uh, to partake in it. So, uh, of course, this is going to air actually after that. But um, you guys just pay attention. Fario, follow Mario Noffel, N-A-W-F-A-L on Twitter. And uh, this thing will happen with him every week. Thanks again, Mario. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. It wasn't even awful. We're still awful, but Mario's cool. We like you, Mario. Yeah, that was really good. Um, you know, he has built something special over there, him and his team, and they keep churning it out, and people keep coming because he did it over on over on Clubhouse, and Clubhouse is pretty much dead at this point. I don't think they, they pivoted well enough. I mean, Clubhouse was the place to be during the pandemic because it gave people a place to sort of hang out, but it just makes makes a whole lot of sense that Twitter's this place to do that because it's just a nice little extra. Twitter got well, rid of Vine, but they added the spaces element, which I think is pretty good. 
And they're not, I don't think they're um, editing. They're not censoring spaces. Whereas clubhouse uh, has gone social justice warrior. And so if they don't like your content, they, really? uh, they boot you. Yep. They boot you. They off, tune in so. and boot you, huh? Wow. Yeah. Okay. And so, then guess what? Go woke, go broke. Yep. So, all right. That was a nice flash in the pan. Remember clubhouse. I mean, right now we remember it's kind of like blab was a flash yeah, in the pan. Only they, they suicided differently. They just pulled the plug on it. <laughs> Yeah, they just popped the butt plug out and it was over. I mean, the blah, the blah, never mind. All right. Well, if you have not yet decided if you're coming to Puerto Rico to join us for the fifth anniversary party, you want to get your tickets, uh, come join us. It is Saturday, August the 13th, 2022 at the Trav Villa in Luquio, Puerto Rico. You go to badco.in forward slash party, P-A-R-T-Y. And you can and come only to 55 tickets, I believe, is what we that's said it. We're at. limiting it. Uh, and if you if you come to Travis's house and you use his toilet, you can be a party pooper. That's true. <laughs> there are multiple parties, to po- places to poop in the party. Actually, the outside party and then the inside one, but not the upstairs one, because I don't want party poopers upstairs. That's that's area. the private party pooper area that Travis. I was thinking like. what I should do is like, you know, like whenever you have kids little babies and you don't want them to go into the kitchen or whatever. You get like one of those little gates. Yeah. I guess, I guess what I have to do is I get one of those little gates and put on them by my stairs. So nobody goes up and potty poops. And then, and give it a name, call it. Bill. Actually what I could do is I would put it up at the top of the stairs. So people, if they do want to walk up and look at the art, which is pretty cool on the stairway, they can look at it, but they can't, they can't potty poop. Are you bragging about your material possessions? Like Richard Hart? I wasn't, I was just saying that I got a really cool piece of art. From this lady from uh she did she's um her name's melena something melena blackman she did this um joe rogan piece it was like uh no ordinary joe and she drew this thing and by pen and it's just a huge canvas and then she did 50 prints and i was like dude i love that so much because i got ahead of there's a big wall that i had nothing for i was like that would look so cool right there so i just it's just really cool there's so much detail in it there's like 50 different guests on it so it's pretty cool but i've seen it I've seen it. It is cool. And uh, if you guys come to. But it's nothing like my lamb, my five Lambos and, you know, my 18 Rolexes that I have. Right. I mean, look at them. Ching, ching, ching. I have no Rolexes. Actually, I don't, yeah, I don't care about that shit. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We do appreciate you very much. And I noticed there's no new reviews this week. You know, you know who you uh, are out there. Suck it. You know why? Because it's crypto winter. People like screw this crypto shit. I, you know, I mean the the there's been a little bit of a bounce uh, this week from uh, from being down, and I watched a great video yesterday, and it was about a guy talking how we, you know, in the in the cycles, it goes one, two, three, four, five, and five is that last run up before a cycle starts again, and he made the point that I've been making um for months is that we have not hit the last push on this bull run he went through all his charts and looked at the previous runs and the the time gaps and the charting and the lows and the high all the weird things that that seems bullshit to me because it's never been the bull run in 2017 wasn't the bull run of 2017 and 2018 it was previously before that it wasn't the bull run of 2012 and 2013 right so it's like it's it, it's nice in theory I, I i'm just i'm just saying sure look, I, I do prefer 
I do prefer seeing Ethereum at sixteen hundred dollars more than I prefer it at nine hundred something. Yeah, <laughs> nine hundred sucks. I, so I'm not going to complain. I'm I'm down. You know, he's I mean? he's calling a hundred k this year still. He wow. said, and you know who knows? It's just another dude charging. That's good. You know, here's the thing. That, that's awesome. I don't think I told you this yet, but um, so I have had a a ledger when I moved here, and I think I did tell you I couldn't find my ledger. Yeah. And then you're like, well, that's no big deal. You got your keywords, your key phrase. And I was like, right. Yeah. But it's like, it's, it's because with that whole move, it's like, it's somewhere. And uh, this week, uh, when I was back in Kansas City, I found my key phrase. And so I was like, oh, I'm glad to hear that, man. Yeah. So it's my number of 55 bitcoins lost did not increase. That's good. That's good. We don't we don't want that to happen to you. Yeah, that would have been sad news. We love you, Travis. Been bad news, but that'd be like the real kind of bad news, not the bad news that we do whenever we do bad news. It'd be real bad. So uh, anyway, there's somebody out there who's feeling guilty for listening to our content for free and not having reviewed us yet, not having given us a five-star review. You know who you are, and your guilt is just going to multiply throughout the day. You won't be able to sleep tonight uh you're gonna wake up in the middle of the night crying because you haven't made the review then you're gonna go make it right those mother won't let me sleep one star uh, but if you are so inclined please do go give us a review we we like to hear from you most of the time yeah that's so true and then oh by the way bad crypto.uncut.fm if you want to grab one of those nfts so we'll be dropping some cool nft stuff on that already several people have signed up for that bad boy and uh, it's just going to give you some just additional content and uh, additional NFT drops. And it's kind of a fun thing to do. It's good. Let's we'll check it out. Indeed it is. We'll catch you guys on the next episode. Until then, you know what your marching orders are. You have one job, and that is to stay Big bad. Corny. No, we're not changing the end of the show just because of corn. It's the Corn Crypto Podcast. <laughs> You're corny. Stay bad. The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto, LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoins and and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. That's very true. I can't help it. It's been like this my whole life. They tried to beat it out of me, but they couldn't. What's that? We tried to beat the funny out of me, you know, in school, right? They were like, I come from that final era where they would beat the kids' asses in school. And uh, I was a little too funny sometimes. It was, you know, basically what it was, was uh, unacceptable behavior. Like, Travis, unacceptable. And then, like, they would call my mom and be like, Travis, you know, he's disruptive. And she's like, well, is he getting his homework done? She's like, yeah, he gets his homework done really quick. And then he just makes jokes. I was like, oh, well, are they funny? <laughs> sometimes. Not always. That's okay.